Hi, my friends, and welcome into this week's episode. I'm so glad that you are here spending some time with us uh, around the holidays. Catherine Whitaker is here with me this week. We have a great show for you. Uh, well, I start off by, uh, well, we didn't start off how I wanted to, but eventually we I have a moral conundrum for Catherine, pitting her love for Dr. Pepper against her love for all things Texas A&M. You'll want to tune in to see how all of that plays out. We also talk about how there used to be like multiple different paths within Catholicism that were accepted for growing in holiness, i.e. like religious orders, different religious orders with different emphasis, emphasis, emphasizes, emphasizes. That's what we're going to go with. And now everybody on the internet just wants to yell that their way is the best way and the only way when actually Jesus is the only way. So maybe chill out a little bit. Uh, we also talk about how uh, I w- am wanting to equate how Apple updates their phone and operating services to my spiritual life and how it updates. We're going to see if that works. You can be the judge of that. And then finally, what has now become a tradition with Catherine, we have a little college football segment. So uh, we talk about the fantastically famous firing. That's a lot of alliteration that I just came up with of Texas A&M's football coach, Jimbo Fisher last month. We didn't have time to talk about it on last month's episode. So we talk about it now. I think it's genuinely hilarious and she's ashamed <laughs> of, of her, uh, of her university. And we also talk about, uh, fairness and some of the college football teams that got snubbed from the college football playoff. So, uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please hit subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. Enjoy. Hello there, and welcome into Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Catherine Whitaker. Happy almost, almost Christmas, Catherine? <laughs> it's not Festivus yet, so yeah, almost Christmas. Wait, when is Festivus? The Christmas Eve Eve. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're only a few days away from that. (laughs) From Seinfeld. Only certain people will get that reference. Well, I got the reference, but not enough to remember what day it was. I just watched that. Was it last year? Maybe two years ago. I watched that show like all the way through. Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. I just started. um, I just picked back up with Seinfeld. Were you a Seinfeld person? Oh, well, yeah, because it was must-see TV on Thursday. So, yes, it was Seinfeld, Friends, um, Frasier, some random show that no one can remember that kept rotating, and then ER. So that was must-see TV back when I was in college. Oh, see, I've heard must-see TV. I didn't realize it was all those shows. Those are all shows that I've heard of, except for the the one you don't remember. (laughs) No, no, it, it was literally like, for whatever reason, they could never get that show to take, and they would put a show in there, and it was always rotating. It was always terrible. It's like the it's like the fourth co-host spot on this show. We can never get it to stick. Which is, no, which is not me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, there's always yeah. three solid ones, and then one that we're not. And then sure the fourth about. one's a little questionable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I yeah, I just start, it's one of those things where like you know th- shows just keep bouncing from streaming to streaming to streaming different networks yes. or whatever so I, I i had some streaming service that could watch seinfeld and then i and then they left and went to another one and now i have it back so i had to do the whole thing of like where was i like i have no idea where i was like if a computer doesn't tell me what i last watched that i don't remember you were 30 minutes into the last episode <laughs> 30 minutes into a 23 minute episode of seinfeld <laughs> so i think i'm enjoying it it's one of those ones that um the first season or so, I wasn't quite sure if it 
held up because I mean it is widely regarded as one of the top shows of all time. Like you know, maybe even the best comedy quirky of all time. And yeah, it's quirky and funny. And I uh I just couldn't I just couldn't with Kramer. I just couldn't just oh, he's I, my like, favorite. Oh, I hate him so much. I just hate him. and now I'm finally like I don't know. Maybe when I watched it, I was just like more high strung than I am now. Now I'm just like, I mean, he's annoying, but he is what he is, you know. So he's Kramer. He's my favorite part of the show. Oh well, I'm George, so I, I, oh, I'm well. really connecting with that. <laughs> Bald, chubby, nothing goes George, right. <laughs> George Costanza. Oh, George, you can stuff your stories in a sack. Yeah, he's really funny. They're, I mean, they're all uniquely independently funny and then you put them together and it's just gold it was such a good show and i got to watch those all those episodes live nice. <laughs> and i didn't have to watch hulu to watch those uh they've been colorized since you watched them stop it Shut up. <laughs> so rude. i have a um i have a conundrum for you and i it, which is interesting because i've had this conundrum for a couple of times and i kept forgetting the name of it so I could never bring it up with you. And then ironically enough, I was out for lunch uh, with my wife. I guess that's not ironic. But uh, the ironic part is that she noticed this thing and brought you up. So like you came up in conversation while my wife and I were on a lunch date. Now I'm worried. Okay. Uh, it's because we know of your love of Dr. Pepper. I mean, you you have a, your book that you wrote, did it, was Dr. Pepper in the name or was it just on the cover? Well, it was supposed to be in the tagline, but because of copyright, we couldn't put it there. So that's why I getting see. real with barbecue, sweet tea, and a whole lot of Jesus. It was supposed to be getting real with barbecue, Dr. Pepper, and a whole lot of Jesus. That's but, right. Okay. So it, yeah. that's just, in, in my memory, it's linked to that because you must have told me that before. Because like I've I've seen the cover of the book and I'm like, it, it's like, what, what do they call it? The Mandela effect? Where I'm like, I swear Dr. Pepper was on there. And then I look at the book and it's not. I'm like, am I an yeah. idiot? Or no, no. Okay. No, it was supposed to be there. So, uh, well, I am, but not because of that. Uh, so we know of your love of Dr. Pepper. We've talked about your love of Dr. Pepper. Talk, you know, everybody loves your, your Texas twang and all these things. And so, but I have, but we also know this other fact about you, that you are super into A&M, that you're a super big, like, fan and uh, proponent of Aggieland. So I have a conundrum for you. Because you have said both to, to me multiple times in person and then on this show multiple times because you wanted to make sure that I understood that any other any other like Dr. Pepper knockoff, any other doctor drink, any other pepper drink, no bueno. Yes, we've affirmed this multiple times. Yes, they sit on a, a throne of loss. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I agree with you. And you and I have agreed on that fact um, on, here on the show. But I have changed my tune. There is one singular exception, and I want to know, one, if you've had this exception and what you think, and if not, if you'd even be open to trying it. So this is where your love for Dr. Pepper and all things Texas clashes with your love of Aguiland, because there is a local brand of sodas that's in a lot of our restaurants here in Bryan College Station. Do you, do you know of this brand, Boots? Boots soda. I think, uh, we we have a similar brand here in Austin. Like it's like a natural version of Coke. Uh, yeah, so, so it's it, probably similar. Like a lot of the like restaurants that are like that show Aggie games or that are like near the you know that the the Texas A&M school and stuff will have Boots sodas instead of like Coca Cola products or Pepsi products or Dr Pepper products or whatever. And it's all the same. Like it's it's a Coke flavor. It's a Sprite flavor. It's a Dr. Pepper flavor. It's a root beer flavor or whatever. Uh, and I tell you what, 
They have one called Dr. Delicious, which is Boots' no. version no, it's of not. Dr. Pepper. It's can't be Taylor. So good. It is so good. So that, you you yeah. you are you're choosing to stick with your guns against the local Aggie brand. That's so this this Listen. is the this is the conundrum I wanted to put you in. <laughs> well, I should I should make it I should I have a confession. I have been drinking less Dr. Pepper. Not because I know I'm not, this is the, worse the, than the, the conundrum inter- I put you in. <laughs> the, the internet crashes. Why would you so, be so truthful? <laughs> well, I am not getting any younger, and we all know that Dr. Pepper has a bunch of sugar in it. So I'm trying really hard not to consume as much sugar. And it's not because I don't like it, and it's not because it's not, I mean, it is a challenge. It's not even Lent, and I'm already giving stuff up. But I just decided to drink it's, less. It's of it. Lent light. I mean, I it's not that I'm chugging two liters of Dr. Pepper every day. I mean, just because you love something doesn't mean that you're indulging in it. Wait, wait, decided, wait. You're telling me that I can love stuff and not overdo it? I don't know. I have never heard about this. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's a foreign concept. So I just decided to to drink less, but I am not a fan. Even okay, so Dr. Pepper has different versions, right? There's diet Dr. Pepper, there's cream soda Dr. Pepper, there's strawberries and cream. All of that is disgusting. It okay, is. I'm I'm a purist and I'm 23 flavors, no diet, none of that. It's always fully leaded for me. So when someone's like, oh, you should try Dr. B from H-E-B or you should try this other. No. I mean, I have tried them all and they're not the same. You have not they're, tried them all. You have not tried substitute. Dr. Delicious. <laughs> I haven't, but I can tell you with the 72 other sheep and wolves clothing that I have tried, none of them have been good. So I have no expectations. No. For okay. I'm I'm glad you brought up sheep because what if is this what if this is the one out of the 99? <laughs> you know what? No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I would I, I would not be against trying it. It's not as if I'm I'm not a snob. I'll try it, but I'll tell well, you right well, now that I'm not going to uh, like that's it. That's contrary to what you said last episode. Last episode you were on, you were a wine snob, and let me just tell you, that's fair. half okay. half the commenters agreed with me, and half agreed with you. Th- there were people just flabbergasted at how snobby you were, and then other people were just calling me so lowbrow. Oh, 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 my tummy hurts too when I drink American wine. Oh, shut it. Leave me alone. <laughs> wow. I, you know what? I, I purposely didn't even go look at the comments, and now I'm definitely not going to go look at them. <laughs> um, I I am pretty quick with the uh, block and delete. So uh, if y'all don't see comments, if you never see bad comments on this show, you're welcome. <laughs> I got to it before you saw. Thank, thank you. No, I just, I'm not a, I think that if you like something, I mean, it's great that other people want to have a substitute in it. And in that case, maybe it's healthier for you or maybe it just, it's not something that I would crave and want to drink all the time, but I'm even saying I'm not even drinking the thing that I love all the time. So that's a new conundrum there. I'm, I'm feel we, um, there was a chance this episode was going to be in person and there's a chance that we'll do an episode in person here in the next few months. I'm feeling a taste test coming. That's what I'm feeling. You know, you know, Liv did that one time. She, (laughs) she lined up a bunch of Dr. Pepper. Some were not real Dr. Pepper. And, and I, I could sniff them, Taylor. I can, smell a Dr. Pepper and tell you what kind of Dr. Pepper it is. I know, Catherine. I was there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I was physically present for that recording. It was only recorded because I was there pushing buttons. (laughs) I forgot about that. 
Okay. Anyway, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'm always up for a good taste test. I, I just genuinely think, because, like, I agree with you. Every other Dr. Pepper sucks. That's not Dr. Pepper. Um, the only the only one Dr. Pepper brand that I uh, that I go a little bit further is Dr. Pepper Cherry, because cherry actually is one of the 23 flavors. It's just enhanced in the cherry one. But yeah. when I went to your, the last time I went to your house, I accidentally got the strawberries and cream one, and I thought I, I thought it was like, like they put cancer in the soda. It was gross. It was so nasty. Actually, Dr. Pepper with cherry tastes like cheer wine. So if you've ever been to North Carolina, they have a, a Coke product, or I don't know if it's a Coke product. Maybe it's like a South Car- or North Carolina thing, but cheer wine tastes like cherry Dr. Pepper. And I will drink cheer wine, but it's it's not as a substitute to Dr. Pepper. I genuinely like cheer wine. It's not alcoholic. It's just like another coat. Wait, 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 wait. So now, now you're disagreeing with every one of your takes. You're saying no, now, n- now there's a Dr. Pepper knockoff that you like. And you're also now saying that you like a wine for the United States. And I'm mad about it. it. it, it <laughs> not, okay. I'll clarify. It kind of tastes like Dr. Pepper. But no, I mean, it's its own, it's its own drink. And it's like a local, it's sort of like Sundrop. That's another drink in North Carolina. Uh, sun drops kind of like a mountain dew but a little bit better um so they're just like a a local like drink that whenever i'm in north carolina i will drink a cheer wine and it makes me smile but i'm not drinking it because it tastes like dr pepper nor am i drinking it in substitute one i'm drinking it because i'm local and i can usually only get it in north carolina well there's a local drink you can only get here in Aguiland. it's called dr I'll try delicious it. and i would like for you to have an open mind about it <laughs> I'll try. I'll try it, but I have low expectations. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. It's just the hanging out with me part, but I guess it can apply to the soda as well. So no, I'm uh, up for the coke. Yeah, I'm glad that we're uh, that we're arguing about something that doesn't matter because um, that 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 leads perfectly into uh, it. It maybe went a little longer than I planned, but it does still lead perfectly into what we were going to start start off today's show with. Uh, so. You have had experience. I mean, you've you've traveled. You you know first speaking, and and you've actually lived multiple places. What are the um, uh, what are they even called? Wow, I'm a I, I know more about sodas than I do about Catholicism today. Uh, religious family. orders. That's the that's the. Um, oh. I can only think of my food and drink orders, not my religious orders. So religious orders that you have had like the most connection with, whether you've whether it's because you spent the most time or that you just like connect with because they. They match who you are. What what are they? Um, we spend a decent amount of time with Dominicans, mostly religious orders, not, uh, I mean, mostly female, like uh, nuns and sisters, not priests. Sure. Paulist fathers, so a group of priests, Paulist fathers, the Jesuits, and Holy Cross would probably be the four that I have spent the most time with. Not that I don't know Carmelites or benedictines but just as far as spending time those are probably the four that i've spent the most time with okay so they all of these religious orders have they generally have a charism right where it's like this yes. is the thing that they set out to do um and what's interesting yeah. is like of the four that you mentioned i only really have a connection with one of them and i know like for instance the dominicans uh tend to be the teachers the scholars they know things they right. teach things that's that's their charism is to, to gain knowledge and to share it with other people so that they can grow closer to god in their faith because of the knowledge, right? Um, what so that would be an example. What do you? What would you say is like the charism or like the thing that sticks out to you about those other three? So the Paulists focus more on the new evangelization. So 
Catholicism in the media, whether that's radio, TV, just using media to promote the gospel. And then Jesuits, I think, really focus on education and also social justice, like getting us to look into the hard pieces of the world, but also really strong theologians. There's a couple of Jesuits that I find to be, they've been really helpful for me in my own, I think, understanding of theology. And then Holy Cross, we have a beautiful connection to them because they have a parish here in Austin. And we're, we've talked about this before. I'm a big fan of Notre Dame. And so they, that's their university. And so obviously education would be a big portion of that, but they're also great evangelizers. Our kids are really drawn to them here in the diocese. So yeah, I guess that would be their, that I'm, I may not be capturing their apostolate or their charism perfectly, but that's the part that we've seen and we've interacted with. Sure. And, and there's a reason that it stuck out to you, right? And it, it, there's actually something, not the point I'm trying to make, but it's an interesting point about like what the purpose of an organization is and then what people's experience of that organization is, right? Like um, that's just an interesting thought that I'll throw away for a different day. But um, for me, like the number the number one for me, I, I never met a religious until I went to a Steubenville conference. So like my first, like I I grew up in a a small town way south of the diocesan office. Like we weren't near, uh, we didn't do a ton of diocesan events. And even if we did, it was mostly lay people. So like the first time that I saw religious were Franciscans because I went to a Steubenville conference and there were Franciscan uh, friars and Franciscan monks and Franciscan priests and this sort of thing. Right. So like one of the first things that stuck out to me about the Franciscans is just the simplicity, like Taking complicated topics like God and just making them simple, uh, simple, practical, like day-to-day kind of things. And like that is stuck with me. Like it's a big part of what I try to do, right? So that's one of the things that I'm emulating with them. It ended up sticking out. I, I ended up doing my year of grad school at Franciscan University. Like the, the Franciscans have stuck with me for quite some time. The other one that uh, is less popular like publicly, but the CCVI sisters are the sisters that started Incarnate Word, where I went to undergrad, right? And they have this storied history of, it kind of matches the practicality thing. Like there is a bit of education because they started a school that ended up becoming the university that I went to, but they also started a hospital. Like the, um, the Christus the Christus hospital system, like Christus Mm -hmm. Santa Rosa is the one that's in San Antonio. The same four sisters like religious sisters that uh, the sisters of the incarnate word that started my university and the high school next door also started the, um, the hospital. And the reason was they came over here because it was the new world. We're like, what's going on? They showed up and they realized that people were sick and they were dying because there was plagues and stuff going on and they didn't have, you know, modern medicine. So they were doing their best to take care of people and assist, assist with the sick. And then the parents were dying so then they were stepping in and helping the kids of these parents that had died. So they were teaching them and raising them and, and, and putting them in school. So like, that's where the hospital and the um, uh, education part came in. So like the practicality is there, right? Oh, we want, we came here to teach people about Jesus, but they're dying and those kids are now orphans. So let's deal with that first. And then we can build up to the teaching thing, right? So the, those two have probably had the most impact on my life just because I, I still haven't had a ton of interaction with, um, with religious. Um, but those two, the practicality of them is one, why it resonated with me. And then two, made an impact on me because it's what I try to do 
now. So um, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I love, here's the thing with Catholicism is the, the, the tenets of our faith are unchanging, but how we reach people is varied. In other words, I love that we have different religious orders that serve different arms of the church, because if they were all the same, Taylor, how would we feed the congregation, spiritually speaking? So I love that we have some religious orders that are focused on teaching. We have some that are focused on healthcare, some that are focused on primarily prayer or service to the poor. It is important that we have all these different religious orders because our gifts as human beings are varied. And each one of those orders utilizes different gifts from people. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's it still perplexes me. Maybe it's the former Protestant in me, but it perplexes me as to why some people like either demonize or make fun of certain orders, but then, you know, promote or elevate other orders. And I'm like, but I see them as uniquely independent, but yet all still part of the same body. So I love that there are different orders and I love that we are drawn as human beings to different ones for different reasons. And it's not even the order that we're drawn to. It's the joy of the people within the order that we're drawn to. And I love that. I have always loved that. So I'm never a fan of like when people say, there's always jokes about the Jesuits and the whatever, and you know, the, the Dominicans or this or that. And it never, it always lands wrong with me. I hate it that we don't see them for the, the beautiful part that they, and how they serve the church and how they minister to people in all parts and walks of life. But that's just my own two cents. Yeah, I, I've, and that's right along the lines of what I've been thinking about these last few weeks because uh, it's it's a topic that I've talked about before, but something clicked for me uh, over this past week, and it's the topic of like Catholics on the internet or like le- Catholic leaders, when you know, speakers or authors or you know, famous Catholics or whatever. It always tends to be, um, and I. <laughs> Part of it, I guess, is coming from a good place. Like, you know, like Paul, we think about one of the first evangelists. He says, imitate me like I imitate Christ, right? So, like, okay, if you're a leader in Catholicism and you think you're doing good, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, that that can be a genuine thing, right? Um, but not to the detriment of I am Christ and I'm the only way, right? Christ is the way. Paul is not. Paul can point the way. Paul can even imitate following the way. Uh, but there was also Peter and like, we literally see in the new Testament in the book of Acts, like there are people who are all Christians. Some of them follow Paul more. Some of them follow Peter more. Um, it's a similar thing with these religious orders. Like God created us all different and God created us for him and for faith in him. So like that, here you go, Catholic church on the way to heaven. Right. Um, and I don't know when it happened or why it happened. I, I I have a theory that it's just, you know, oh, I have the only way. It's just about money. But it frustrates me to no end when people are like um, trying to force everyone to live Catholicism their way when there are, and I want to say this carefully, I'm not saying it like uh, it's not the universalism. Oh, any way that you want to go to God, go for it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that within Catholicism, There are dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of proven different ways to go to God within the realm of our faith. Uh, One example is uh, the religious orders, how these different religious orders 
approach God in different ways. There are things that run through all of them. They all have the sacraments. They all go to mass. They all go to confession. They all pray. But how they live out their faith is different. Uh, the other example that is even more bountiful than them would be the saints. There are saints that have just lived so many different ways. And you know, you know them. We all have our, you know, even larger than our list of favorite or most uh, connected to religious orders, we have our favorite, most connected to saints. So when I see people saying like, you have to go to this type of mass to go to heaven or, or to be a good Catholic. You have to um, give this amount of money to, to be a good Catholic. You have to support this cause only. And this is your number one cause. It has, it's my number one cause. So it has to be your number one cause. It's just like, chill out. Like, when did it become we all have to live the same exact life and not the respect and maybe pokeful and playful respect of like, oh, like the Jesuits and Dominicans and, and Franciscans have poked fun at each other for years, but they're not like, you're going to hell if you're a Dominican. Like, when did that happen? <laughs> it's silly and ridiculous. And I always look at them and I'm like, who are you fighting with? If you're fighting <laughs> yeah. with each other, hey, I know the guy that we're supposed to be fighting against and his name's not each other. Okay. It, that that would be Satan. And he thrives in that, Taylor. It It makes me so angry when we tear each other down within the church, because I want to look at them and say, what, what is someone on the outside looking at? They're looking at like, man, you guys can't even get along. Why would I want to be a part of that? And it's almost like a friend of mine calls them decoy arguments. You're, you're arguing about the wrong thing. Okay. If someone loves the Latin mass or someone loves the mass with banjos or someone at the end of the day, if they're following the germ, if they're receiving the sacraments in the proper way and the mass is licit, and at the end of the day, if we're all receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, then let's focus on that part and not so much on the other stuff. Like, I think we get these decoy arguments pull us away from the central part of our faith, and that's to get to heaven. And so I'm a big proponent of falling in love with Jesus first, and then the rest of it will take care of itself. And yes, we should do all the things that we're, that that the catechism and that the Bible calls us to do. But I mean, Taylor, if you just look at the disciples, none of them were the same. Jesus didn't call 12 Matthews. Well, well he did call two Jameses. He did. And then people changed <laughs> their names and whatever. <laughs> but they were all, and they were all martyred different. And I loved your example about the saints. I mean, People were called to sainthood even at different ages and stages of their life. He doesn't even call just saints at age 35, you know, to be a saint. Like some of them are called as young, young people, you know, 10 and under. And then some of them are called as much older in their 60s and 70s. So this sameness doesn't help the church. It, it's our uniqueness. If we are made unrepeatable, amago day, then that means that we are each independently unique. And why would we want to try to strip that as we practice our faith? To me, it does not make sense. Amen and amen. We're all, we're going up the same mountain, and we're all going to get there. Uh, the, the atheists are trying to blow up the mountain, but all the Catholics are trying to go up the mountain. And we got to stop fighting each other, my guys. I so, agree. It drives uh, me nuts. Yeah. So uh, if you are very excited that you found your way to connect with God, that you found your way that uh, that you think is great, uh, fantastic and promote it. Like, that's great. Promote it. Just don't demand that other people do it. It's yes. ridiculous. So that's, that's the difference, Taylor. I think it's the demanding part. 
Um, the only thing I'm going to demand is that you try a uh, Dr. Delicious the next time you come to town. <laughs> when I come to College Station, I will try one, and I'll take a picture, and I'll text it to you. No, with me, Catherine. Stop coming to College Station and not saying hi to me. You even assume you're not going to see me when you try this Dr. Delicious. It was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, here's the deal. I, we've talked about this before. I almost always am coming to College Station to see one of my kids. And it's always a fly in, fly out. I promise that when I have extra time, I always text you. It just hasn't been the case the last yeah, several months. No, I, and I, I understand that and I accept that. And that's perfectly valid. I'm I, just I will, saying, I don't drink come and drink you. Dr. Delicious when it was my idea. <laughs> Do limit right. it. I got you. Don't go, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're pretty close to hitting some pretty cool goals over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic, or just search Forte Catholic YouTube. And that involves watch hours. So if you literally just watch any of our videos, it would help us incredibly. Some of the ones I want to point out this week are the episodes of this show that you are currently listening to. If you want to watch next week's episode with your eyeballs instead of just your ear holes, uh, you can do that on our YouTube channel. Also, uh, we mentioned last week that uh, my first ever book review on the subtle art of not giving a you-know-what uh, is out on the channel now in our Catholic Perspective series. Uh, another good one to watch around this time is our review of the movie Spirited. Where it came out last year. Uh, it's a new Christmas movie last year. And it's a new Christmas tradition for us. We'll be watching it again here uh, pretty soon. It's a movie on Apple TV. And uh, I think you should watch it. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, um, either before you watch it or after you watch it, you can do that all on our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe and go uh, go watch it. We hope that you enjoy it and it would be helping us up incredibly. Thanks. Welcome back to Forza Catholic. I am Taylor Scholl. That is Catherine Whitaker. Uh, one final thought on the conversation that we just ended. Uh, which you just was a, can't uh, let it go. It, it was just it, the, the whole impetus for why this came up. <laughs> I just have to share the story. And it's a story of a, of a couple that has figured this out. In a very strange way, they figured out how to accept one another, and they're very different versions of Catholicism. Uh, I was at Mass, and there's a couple that I know, and both of them, devout Catholics. They pray daily. Like, they're going to I've seen them at Mass. I've seen them in confession lines. Like, they're doing the thing, right? They're both, um, they've been EMs. They've been lectors, right? Uh, but I just had to laugh. I, I was, like, dying laughing during communion, which isn't <laughs> necessarily the best thing, but it was so funny to me. The wife was a was a Eucharistic minister, EM, right? So, uh, but the husband, like, was one of those people that I'm sure you've seen before that like didn't go to their line because it wasn't the priest line. Like, went out of his way to go to the priest to receive communion because he doesn't believe in Eucharistic ministers. Like, he thinks it should only be the priest. <laughs> And yet his wife was the person standing right next to him. So they figured it out, man. They completely disagree on the whole idea of whether lay people or women or whatever can be Eucharistic ministers, but they've lived happily together for 40 years. <laughs> so find, your, find yourself a, 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 a Catholicism that has a wife being an EM and a husband that refused to take from a lay, lay woman. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, you know, there's a, oh, I was to remember the name of the book. So Cokie Roberts, who used to be on Meet the Press, um, wrote a book. So she's devout, she was a devout Catholic and her husband was a devout Jew and they were married, you know, I mean, until she passed away. And uh, it was a fascinating book about how they both respected one another mm -hmm. and how they became a better Jew and a better Catholic because of each other. It's a great book. Good. Um, okay. Next topic. I, I was, another thing that's on my mind all the time uh, that, 
we reveal strange quirks about me all the time on the show, but I don't think I've ever sh- shared this strange quirk. Uh, and I would imagine this is different for you. Just it might be a generational thing or just, uh, again, what different things that we focus on. Right. Um, I'm going to ask you three questions. Uh, all along the same lines, but you and I both have iPhones. Yes, we're we're, we're we members of the. Yes, we're uh, normal people. Yeah, the member <laughs> superiority for sure. Um, are you? So there's the there's the like you've heard of early adopters, and then yes. there's like the bell curve of like where everybody gets it, and there's people that get it late. So when a new iPhone comes out, which which do you uh, of those three options? Early adopter. Uh, kind of when everybody else gets it, like top of the bell curve or like way late, when do you typically upgrade your phone? Uh, that depends, Taylor, because we have so many people on phones who's up for the upgrade because with that many phones, it's never, I mean, if I could adopt it as soon as it came out, I would, but our budget does not allow for that. So it's just like whoever's in the queue um, to get a, a, the phone next can sometimes be the early adopter. It's usually not me. It's usually someone else in the family, so, but it's not by choice. It's just the budget. What you haven't realized, even in that scenario, is that you can always take the upgrade because you're the adult. Well, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I mean, we rotate, but, but but it's all based on like whoever is the is the last one that got a phone, they would have to pay more money. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. however, whoever has to pay the least amount of money to get the new phone is the option that we always take. So it always comes down to money. So right. no, but I would what love I'm to saying say, is maybe you pay, no, no, you no, pay no, no. for that one's you pay the lowest one. I, no, I'm with you on the money thing. Yeah. You pay for the lowest one. You get that new phone and that kid gets the phone you've been using. That's how you yeah. parent. So <laughs> Thank you for now letting I'm tell, me know. Now, now I'm telling you how to parent. <laughs> the thing with phones, this is probably something that you don't know about me. I love technology, but I hate upgrading because it's such a pain in the you know what. And so I, pain I don't in know. The I don't, yeah. The thing with my phone and Taylor, I don't know what I've done. But every time I upgrade, I lose like half of my contacts. They oh, it's because you're not a float away. Like, that's, that's they just, float that's away normal. into the abyss. <laughs> and so it's such a stressful like changing. And so I put it off as long as possible, not because I don't want to adopt the new technology, but because I don't want to deal with the headache of transitioning. Like if someone would just come to me and be like, Catherine, we will take your phone and we will give it back to you the exact same way that you had it, but it'll be faster and better. I, w- I would do it all the time. But I put it off because I I absolutely hate doing that. I'm going to tell you how to parent again. You have some oh, kids wonderful. that are you kids. have some kids that are millennials and some that are Gen Z. Have them do it. <laughs> you know what? I've never all lost an upgrade. Anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see your point, but yeah. So so if if I had to choose, I'm we're always I'm I'm a big proponent early adopter. I did that whole little bell curve in college so we're usually on the early adopter some some things i don't care but iphones and that kind of stuff we do okay so um on the iphone that you have yes um, so there's the there's the hardware which is the phone then there's the there's the uh, operating system that is software uh so when a new operating system comes out like, are you looking forward to it? You're ready to download it the moment it comes out. Are you the person that like a week later when there's a little red one on your settings app, you're like, what the hell is this? And you finally push it and it updates. Or are you like, I'm never updating because I might lose all my contacts. Where are you at on that? Um, I usually wait, wait to the little red like update only because as soon as they put it out, 
about four days later, they're like, oh, just kidding. We meant to do this or whatever. And it always causes less headaches if you just wait about four days for them to work out all the kinks. And then I just don't want to have to deal with the headaches. So I'll wait till the little red thing comes up. I've never worried about, I've never had a problem. I don't think, I mean, I don't remember having a problem like when I downloaded new operating software that my phone went wonky. Now, now that I say that, I'm happy it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So glad uh, I've then, said that now. And then final question. There's a nut, There's one other portion of software on everybody's iPhone. Everybody's, I mean, whether it's an iPhone or not, everybody has the same. Everybody gets new hardware. Everybody gets new operating systems. And then the App Store. This this is the biggest quirk for me. Uh, how often are you updating apps on your phone? Oh, all, all the time. I hate oh, really? updated apps. Yes, really? Okay. Yes. It's like the it's like the unread emails in my inbox. I can't I can't do that. They have so, to be updated. Um, we'll see how quirky you are and how quirky I am. How often a day are you checking that uh the the app store app for updates? Oh, not not once a day. I usually check once a week. Okay. Three or four times a day for me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So let me how you, tell, wow, let me tell Taylor. you how I t- let me tell you how I typically do this. Um, when a new phone is coming, typically, and I'm gonna, there's there's one big exception, and that's gonna. Uh, I was wondering why it was a big exception because it's, it's it's going against everything that I've done before. But our process, like since we've been married, is uh, my wife doesn't care about technology. She's on the like the end of the bell curve, like doesn't really even care. The phone can like it's like she 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 has a pair of headphones that were like taped together and like barely made noise out of one left one. They've been dead for two years, and then like a week ago, she's like, "These don't work anymore." I'm like they they haven't worked in two years, sweetie. Like they like she's at the end of the bell curve. Meanwhile, I'm like. New iPhone came out. I watched the Apple conference in the summer. I watched it again in the uh, the next one in the fall. I knew when pre-orders was. So I pre-order mine because we get, you know, I get one every two years. She gets one every two years. But I'm smart and I, I she doesn't care. So I take hers. I pay I pay for the new phone. I give her my, my phone because she doesn't care about the bell curve. And then uh, my son really cares about the bell curve, but I don't care that he cares. So he gets the oldest of the three phones. And so I'm always getting like, Two weeks early, I watched the event a month early. Like I know exactly what I'm getting. I know what the new hardware is going to do. I know what the new iOS is going to do. Right when the new iOS goes, I used to be in the beta program. I used to get the software before it even came out. And then I was like, well, it stopped working with some of the apps that I need for work. So now I'm just like, I know what it's coming out. Like it's Tuesday at 8 a.m. And I'm refreshing my settings app every like 15 minutes on new iOS days. Okay. Uh, and then... Every single day. And a lot of it's just because like when I'm editing audio, there's a lot of like my ears and my brain are always working, but my hands are not always working. And I'm just, I just move a lot. So I need something to do with my hands. So maybe that's part of it, but it's built in a habit where like every two, three, four hours I swipe up on the app store and it's ridiculous how many need to be updated. Like uh, I've learned on the weekends, they don't really update apps all that much, but there's like, you know, I'm updating like 10 apps every three hours and I have to, or I feel like, you know, the world's going to end. That's my quirk for the day. That's pretty quirky. I mean, how often <laughs> when, when you check that Taylor, let's say, okay, let's say you check it four times and those four times, how many apps are needing to be updated in those four times, like none, or are you just checking? 
So um, usually, maybe it gets to none by the end of the day. So if I'm checking three or four times a day, I check, like, it's part of my morning routine. Everybody else is like, I'm praying the Ave Maria. I'm like, no, I'm checking my app store. I'm making sure, like, I have to do this or nothing else can happen. That's that's what prayer is for everyone else. (laughs) Now you're making me want to check my app store. Oh, yeah. If you make it through this segment and you're not, like, checking your app store to update your apps, I'm not sure if we could be friends. (laughs) If we're talking about it this much, I'm going to open it up right now. This is going to be the third time I've checked today. I'm checking my app store. I'm going down. I'm swiping down. There are 13 apps ready to update. I did this this morning. There was about nine this morning. There's 13 now. This is, we are recording on a Monday. So most app update, like this is going to be a heavier day. Mondays, you know, they worked on it over the weekend or or on Friday and they pushed it out on Monday. 13 apps are updating as we speak. So if the internet slows down, we know why. Uh, I, I checked this morning. There's about nine. Now there's 13. I'll check again in about three hours. There will be like two or three late in the afternoon. And then around when I'm going to bed, there will be one that needs to be updated. So I guess the bigger question is how many apps do you have on your phone? I don't know if there's a quick way to check that. Um, uh, a lot. <laughs> See, maybe that's the difference. I mean, I have, so I also do, so I know that, you know, I do this big 10 day whole house purge every January, uh-huh. but I also do a big digital purge. And so like, if I'm going through and updating apps and I haven't used that app in a long time, I just delete it. So I have, I have a rule that unless I use that app within, you know, the last six months, it, it jettisons, it goes away. So Oh, I'll need it at some point. I, I know that the time I'll need it. Then just I won't download have it. it again. <laughs> I just I honestly, I mean, like all my. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, they're all like I have them categorized. You look like you were hailing Hitler. You were trying to show me your phone. No, I like wasn't. Trying to, they're all categorized. They're alphabetized. German engineering. Cat- <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> this is my freak flag. I'm going to let that fly. This is. Uh, they're all alphabetized by category and then they're alphabetized within the the little grouping of things based on where i want to tap them so yes oh so mine mine are all grouped together uh like in the groups of nine right the grouping apps yes the ones that i use the most they're ranked by which one is closest to my thumb so the one i use the most is the bottom right one and then it's the middle bottom one and the middle right one that's fascinating oh yeah my brain's weird uh so (laughs) we've already established that yeah just dozens and dozens and dozens of apps so um i was thinking about this because after everything you've just heard and everything i've told you all of that has been consistent for years like since the i didn't get the the first iphone because uh, I didn't have any money. I was in I was in college and you know I was on a Blackberry, I think, right? But once I got an iPhone, I've gotten either every one or every other one. Like I've I've I, I'm in the crew. I'm in the Apple crew. Uh my phone's Apple, that iPad's Apple, these AirPods are Apple, the computer that we're recording this on is Apple. Like everything that I own is that like I've been in the cult slash group for You're quite part of some the family. time. <laughs> right, exactly. Part of the family, yeah. <laughs> I can never leave, you know. So they won't let me. <laughs> so I, I was thinking about this, why I had such a very different reaction. Because I did everything, everything that I told you that I do, I do every single year. I love the Apple event. I love watching this stuff. I love pre-ordering my phone, getting it two weeks later, you know, having to make sure that I'm home so that a $1,200 phone isn't sitting outside on my porch. Like I love the, the pageantry of it. I love the, the routineness of it, right? 
Well, then this year shows up and I watch the Apple event and they're like, ah, yes, the brand new phone that has the same exact chip in it as the phone that I have from last year that has the same processing power as the phone I have last year that has the same camera as the one I have last year that added no new features to the iOS. But guess what? We made it out of titanium. It's a new metal. You're going to love it. And I'm like, everything within me revolted. After 12 years of being in this ecosystem, I was like, look, I, I just can't do it. I'm just not, I'm out of principle. I'm not getting a new phone until next year. Like no one in my house is getting a new phone until next year because I'm not doing it. I'm not paying just for the titanium. Everything that non-Apple people have been saying about Apple upgrades for years is finally true this year. They just made a little change and they treated it like it was a big deal. Like they talked about titanium at this thing for 15 minutes. I'm like, you know what I've never thought about once? The type of metal that my phone is made out of. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I've got two titanium rods and 24 screws in my back and it's not nearly as exciting as everyone says it is. It's just titanium. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it was adamantium, it'd be an upgrade. But that's a whole what? other thing that we can't get into. Um, you're gonna you're gonna throw off your whole like uh your whole little system you got, Taylor, with this it's it's killing me. So this I'm is how sorry. I reacted. This is how I reacted. Uh because the biggest reason for me, honestly, to upgrade every year is the battery. Cause I oh, use my phone battery. a lot. Like that's yeah. I, I use my phone a lot for gaming, for work, for communication, for like I have a lot of I, I have more time on my phone than like I'm in like the 80th percentile. People listening to the show right now, 20% are on their phone more than me. The other 80 are like, you're insane. How do you live a life? I'm like, I don't know, man. I've just figured it out. You know, uh, I have Apple Care on this phone and I, I took it in to Best Buy. I left it there for three hours, which is a strange experience for millennial. I just drove around town without a phone for three hours. It was super Ooh, weird. That was weird. How did you even know where to drive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I just stayed on uh, yeah, uh, at College Station. People Main know this. I just, sta- I just stayed on Texas Avenue, which runs all the way right. through the entire two cities. I, I went and had lunch by myself. I went to, uh, uh, it was over Christ- you know, the, the Christmas break or uh, Thanksgiving break, I mean. And um I I had lunch by myself and then my phone wasn't ready. Like just like in the how, parking lot. How did you lot pay for lunch? I'm like, I use my phone so much. I know. I, I used this thing called a credit card. It was in my, uh, in <laughs> my, my, my wallet. I had to bring it in. It was super weird. Um, and then there was nothing else to do. So I drove to watch a you know girls basketball game at St. Joseph's where I coach. I was like, yeah, you and know you what? Couldn't I even, you track. couldn't even take photos or videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, couldn't I'm tweet feeling about so it, bad nothing. for you yeah, right now. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, by the end of the time the game, the game was over. Okay, so I, I just got a brand new battery put in. It was like $80, right? So I was like, I'll do the, I'm doing the $80 upgrade this year, not the $1,200 upgrade. Right. And, uh, that means my wife's not getting a new phone this year. It means my son's not getting a new a new uh, uh, phone that becomes an iPad because we don't pay for cell service for him. Like nobody's getting it because I, uh, I Apple was just like, oh, we're gonna make it out of a new metal and pretend it's a big deal. Like that's that's where I'm at. Uh, so that this is uh, you ready to make this a Catholic podcast again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> make make Forte Catholic again. So uh, uh, here's what I was thinking about, and I want I want to get your thoughts on this. So I often feel bad in my spiritual life uh, that 
I'm not making as big of strides in my spiritual growth as I used to, or even that I'm not praying as much as I used to, like when I was single or in college and didn't have a job and a wife and kids and responsibilities and all these things. Right. Um, I feel like, like when, you know, like everybody talks about like their conversion moment, whether it was like a conversion from a different faith, like yours, or like, uh, I just started caring about it after being in the Catholic church for 13 years. And I was like, okay, I think I'm in now, you know, like, uh, or even like in college when I like really started, like, you know, we talked in the first segment about like kicking up like the, the intellectual side of faith. Like I have these big moments that are like big conversion moments, big changes. And, uh, I haven't had one in, in a while. Like, it's been little minor things and I'm frustrated about it. And I'm often pretty frustrated about like, why, why aren't I growing in the spiritual life? I feel like, you know, every three minutes I'm like, you know, I'm a great Catholic and uh, I don't even know if I am Catholic, you know, like, and I don't know if other people would say that there's evidence that I am, you know? So like, I don't, it, it, and, and like, for me, it's like, I think it's because I wear so many hats. I mean, not literally. I wear this hat literally all the time. But like, I wear so many hats, like, just in what I do, like, that I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm winning in this area of life and I'm being a great Catholic or great person, great guy in this aspect. And meanwhile, doing terrible in this aspect, right? So, like, it feels like I'm not making progress because even when I'm doing well in one, I'm doing worse than another, right? And I feel like it's pretty similar to, like, the life, the lifestyle, the life cycle of the iPhone. When it first came out, revolutionary, right? Like, everything changed. That's the initial conversion. And then the next year, you go back to a Steubenville conference or you go to a Catholic college and you have another big thing. It's like, the update from the first iPhone to the second was huge. The upgrade from the second to the third was huge. The upgrade from the third to the fourth was almost huge. And then, like... They've just refined it and they've refined it. We're like, I, this is not the latest iPhone. It's a dang near perfect product. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's unbelievable what this phone can do. And it honestly does everything that I need it to. So, like, I don't really need the upgrade at this point, right? So, it, it, I was relating it to, like, I, I feel bad that I'm not having as drastic of conversions as I used to. And yet, at the same time, I'm like, it's kind of because I don't need as drastic a conversion that I used to. And I compared that to my iPhone situation. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think that sometimes the deeper we go in our faith, the harder it is to measure it, Taylor. In other words, I look at the person that I was 27 years ago when I became Catholic. And if I look at- I was at, doing great when I was six. If if I'm looking at that person versus the person I am today, a, a big difference, at least spiritually speaking. But I would- argue that some of the changes or some of the upgrades that I've made in the last couple of years are drastic and big and huge, but they're, they only feel that way to me when I look back in time and say, oh, like I see, I see that. I think sometimes it doesn't feel big in the process. Like you think, oh, I'm going to make this one change or now this particular teaching has taken on, you know, a new life for me because maybe some life experience has given me a deeper understanding. But I find that it's more meaningful. It's just not as measurable. And I and I don't know how you relate that to the iPhone, but I mean, I think that... Oh, we'll try. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, that there are definitely like, after you come back, like after I came back from the Given Institute, for example, a couple of years ago, it was a huge summer for me. Last summer, it was a different kind of summer this past summer, but... I think that the the deepness and the meaningful part of that was really big when I looked back on it and went, oh my gosh, N now I see 
the drastic change, but at the time it didn't feel big. It just felt like the next right thing to do. But as I look at, at it back in retrospect, it's pretty decent. So maybe you're just not giving yourself enough time and perspective to see how much deeper you've gone. You probably have gone deeper than a iOS update. You just haven't had the time to reflect upon it. Oh, I definitely went better than the titanium update. I'm doing better than the titanium update, but I think worse than a normal iOS update. How does that sound? <laughs> That's fair. As you were talking, I pulled up, I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but I pulled up my, um, my screen time and like looking at the apps that I spent the most time on over like the last week. And I was, I was like, cause what are the core things that we still use our phone for? Like we, we primary thing everybody uses it for is for uh, like texting and email, right? Like that's, and that's been there from the beginning. Like, so the core thing is still there from the beginning, just like the core thing from our conversion is still there. Like our love of God and our desire to love him back and to love other people. Like that's the core thing, right? And we have these little things over the years that we've need to kind of tweak to, to get better, but it's like, that's the core thing. So the core thing we're doing is, is messaging is like, um, so texting, email and social media, like social media is just like another way that we connect with people. It's like, it's a primary thing I'm doing on my phone. Uh, another one that is new is YouTube TV. Cause I got that this year for the NFL Sunday ticket. So I watched a lot of the NFL on my phone. Talked yesterday. About this. Yep. Uh, so, uh, that is a new thing. The other, the other things that are pretty high up in here are gaming. Like I use it for, you know, to, to relax and chill out. Right. Um, no, the notes app is, is, is pretty up there. Like that's what I use. That's what I'm reading my notes on for this show. Now, like that's how I prepare for the show. It's how I keep track of like my work and all that kind of stuff. Right. So like, I think that that's part of it too, is like the core things from the iPhone are still the core things for the iPhone. There've been great updates. There've been great things added. Like there's been new things added that I use, but the core stuff is still there. And I think, I think that's what I like. I kind of, I guess figured out, uh, as we, as we were talking about this is that like the core things from my big conversion moments are still there. It's the, the desire to serve God is still there. Now, uh, acting on it's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Maybe I've been a little lax in that, uh, late more lately than I was, you know, around, around, uh, ironically enough, the first iPhone came out not too long after my initial conversion. So the timelines actually kind of, uh, line up pretty well, but, um, I think the good tweaks are good, but ultimately, even when the good, the, the, the improvements aren't there, like there isn't really improvement in the new phone this year, like the core stuff is still there. Like the core stuff of like, I love God. I'm doing my best to serve him. I have a life set up with things to help do that. Uh, it's still good. So even though I'm not happy with, uh, the growth of my spiritual life or the new iPhone, the core of both are still there and I should be happy about. No, now you've got me thinking, where do I, which apps do I spend the most amount of time on? I'll look at, I'll look it up later. Are we doing confession? No, you should look it up. No, now. <laughs> I'll look at, I'll look it up later. I think that, well, I did start putting limits on some of the apps that I'm on. It, like I get a reminder. It's not that my phone, my phone shuts down, but I get like a, Hey, you've reached your daily limit. And sometimes I don't get that notification until, you know, the evening or whatever, but sometimes I get it at like 9.30 in the morning and I'm like, okay, I need to be more productive today. <laughs> I need to get off my phone and do something different. But I have found that that's helpful. I would imagine at this time of the year for you, it's the Target app and the Amazon app that, are, that oh they have my to set God. time limits on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So we did this big toy drive for uh, my two of my kids did this big toy drive for the local children's hospital. And when you talk about checking the app, I mean, easily 20 times a day there for a few weeks. Like I was like, 
didn't want to make, I wanted to make sure we weren't missing anything, but I'd say Amazon's pretty high during the holidays. Also during June when it's my birthday. Those would be the two months that I probably spend the most time uh, on it. Going to look at your husband's orders to see if he's ordered your, your birthday present. Yet. I'm the one with Prime, so it's like no one can surprise me because I see everyone's right. orders. I check that all the time, mostly because I want to make sure that I'm not missing it when it comes to the doorstep. I'm, um, I check out their, our Ring app ridiculous, a ridiculous amount of time because I want to make sure, like, did I miss someone coming to the door or do we have sketchy people? Like, I'm always checking the Ring app. But now it's now it feels like confession. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were doing this ring. The, or, I'm sorry, not the ring. The uh, the toy drive, like for kids. Like you're doing this loving and uh, great thing for the holidays. And I didn't see the first post. I just, I, like the first post I saw about it was just like 40 packages on your door. I was like, damn, Catherine, chill out. <laughs> it's like, who do you think you are, Liv Harrison? Golly. <laughs> I bought none of those. Those were all gifts. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know I should have given people context like that. Those are not the poor Amazon guy came to the door and I looked at him. And I was like, I promise. I mean, after four days of him dropping off 30, 40 packages, I was like, I swear these are not for us. And he was like, mm -hmm. like, he looked at uh -huh. me like, okay. Mm -hmm, He's sure. like, you're, you're like, you're an elf. I mean, it in a good way. Like you're helping Santa. Not that you're right, short. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Bye. <laughs> he just totally did not appreciate where we were coming from. So I felt like I should. I don't know why I felt like I needed to explain myself, but it didn't work. Good. I, I am living my life with introspection about iPhones, and you're ruining the Amazon guy's life by making other in the process of making other people's lives great. Right, I, yeah. We're both doing it. We're both living the Catholic life. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If your accountant is pestering you to do some year-end donations, boy, do I have an idea for you. ForteCatholic.com slash donate is a way that you can support the ministry that we are doing here at Forte Catholic. Our entire goal is to share the good news of the gospel which is with as many people as possible. And a lot of that we do through Catholic media, uh, through creating this show, through our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic, and also helping uh, over 20 other Catholic creators produce and edit their content as well so that uh, Catholics on the internet can enjoy themselves and learn something instead of just yelling at each other. So if that's really something you want to support, you can give a one-time donation for the Catholic.com slash donate, or uh, you can join our team of uh, over 35 people that give monthly to support our ministry here. Uh, we would really, really appreciate it. And we are a Catholic nonprofit. The church is okay with us and the government's okay with us. Neither are thrilled, but they're both okay with us. Uh, so it would help with your uh, taxes. So we would appreciate that. ForteCatholic.com slash donate. Thanks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic, uh, not only to our listeners who have been with us for almost an hour at this point, but also to Catherine in the way that you wanted to end last episode show a month ago. Uh, you wanted to talk about uh, the old Texas A&M football program and their coach getting fired and uh, the fired coach uh, getting paid $75 million to not coach at the school. $77 million. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, it's a rounding error. <laughs> what, what does two million even matter? I mean, come on, Catherine. Uh, with, with all those packages at your at your door from Amazon, what is two million dollars? I mean, come on. Uh, but we were going to talk about that, and we did, we just ran out of time. And then there have been updates in that story, and there's also another college football story that I saw that you uh, uh, shared about. You had thoughts about, and I too have thoughts about about the old college football playoff. So, where do you want to start? You want to you want to start with A and M, or do you want to start with the college football playoff and that the rankings? Oh, we'll go ahead and start with A and M. I mean, I think what I'm most frustrated about is not coaches getting fired. Um, 
it's the poor uh, contract writing that was written that allowed that to happen. I think it's embarrassing for a university to pay that kind of money to one individual person, regardless of what it is that they do for the university, because they signed a contract that obligated them to that. It is, I think it's an egregious error and I hope it never, ever, ever happens again. I'm more frustrated about that than I am. I mean, I think Mike Elko is going to make a fine coach and, you know, he, he used to be our defensive coordinator a few years ago, went to Duke. Now he's back. He's beloved. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he will do great. I mean, our hope is every time you hire a coach that they're going to do good and wonderful things for your school. But I'm more concerned about this precedent that we've set. It, it, it makes no sense to me, Taylor, as to I don't know why we're not more performance based. Like, OK, if you win X amount of games, you do so many things and we're going to give you bonuses as opposed to locking you in for a 10 year, 100 million dollar contract. To me, that just seems it's almost like where's the incentive to perform, right? Like if I know that I'm going to be paid extra because I perform better, like in a job, right? Like no one says, hey, you've actually kind of done okay these last 10 years. So we're going to go ahead and lock you in and you're going to get paid $100,000 every year for the next 10 years. And there's no like real performance. And also, if we fire you, then we'll just pay you the balance. Like that doesn't make any sense. Awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, take that deal in a heartbeat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and the the crazy thing to me is that every time a coach is fired, there is always another coach available to hire. Maybe it's not the exact coach that you wanted, but there's always talent out there. So it's almost like the, it's we've created this wheel of scarcity when there are coaches available. It it just and 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 if that kind of a price tag just seems so blatantly horrible, I can't believe that the university that I love allowed that to happen. So I think there needs to be more than one person fired in that scenario. I'll keep all those opinions to myself, but I just don't think that we should ever allow that to ever happen again. Uh, people were outraged about this. Just, just, I outraged. am, I am beside myself, but yes. Uh, I, I, at the beginning, I was laughing a little and now I'm laughing a lot because the update is the, the guy that you just mentioned, Mike Elko. Uh, great. I hope. I hope. I hope he's fantastic. Hel but the hilarious part, he is. He is now, like for his entire tenure as coach, he probably won't make it to the end of his contract because we know how that goes. But for the entire tenure of his contract here at Texas A and M, he will be the second highest paid Texas A and M head football coach mm -hmm. because Jimbo Fisher, who was fired is making more per year over the next six and a half years than Mike Elko is for currently coaching the Texas A&M oh, no. Aggies. <laughs> it's so funny. It's they're so paying ridiculous. a guy not to be here more than they're paying the guy to lead it. <laughs> well, and here's the crazier thing. The last coach to leave the program of their own accord. Guess, who, who was it? Kevin Sumlin? Who just Bear got arrested Bryant. for DUI? No, it was a, it was Bear Bryant. So our precedent in college football is that unless you're like a a Saban, you're probably going to get fired from your job. So why would we make contracts that that give these kind of payouts when there's no proven, you know, history there? Like I I really do believe I really wish that we would move more to performance based like incentive 
bonus kind of program as opposed to we're just going to lock you in for X amount of money. And then if we fire you, we're going to pay you that. It, 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 lawyers need to do a better job of writing those contracts. I mean, kudos to Jimbo's lawyers and him for writing a contract like that, that they would actually have to enforce. Like, bravo, well done, but horrible kudos, no kudos to the university that allowed that contract to be signed. The craziest part of the contract is that typically for coaches, because coaches get fired, th this one's historic, like the the next, so he's making $77 million to not coach again at Texas A&M. Uh, tip tip the highest before that the highest payout to get fired was like 34 oh, was 35 something no, like it was that. 20 21.7 it was gus really really yeah um so just i mean just i mean it, it was historically bad but part of the reason not all of the reason part of the reason it's historically bad is that typically there's a clause that if you get fired we're paying you the full amount until or or if until or if but usually it's until you get another job and then it's offset like because you get it, you get another. You know they usually take a but year. Why off in the or, world would Jimbo be go going to get another job? Would be like peace out later. Right, I'm going yeah. to buy a house in <laughs> Northern Italy. No, he's <laughs> going to buy Northern Italy. Exactly. Typically, that's 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 what it is, right? It's like we're paying you this amount, but you know if the new team hires you and they pay you seven million a year and we owe you eight, now we only owe you one uh, a year, right? right. Like, so there's I typically just, some I offsetting. Mean, they extended that contract after we, I mean, we had a great Orange Bowl experience, but it was almost like everyone just, they wanted the national championship so bad that it clouded their better judgment. Um, that's the only way. I mean, Hansat tells us that maybe it was different when they signed the contract. But I remember when we signed that extension and I remember thinking, this sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. But I am and, not the chancellor. I'm not the AD. I did not get to sign that contract. I'm not on the board of trustees. Um, but boy, howdy, we have to do better. And 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 this isn't just AM, this is collegiate athletics in general of what we are. I'm no I'm no stranger to knowing that college athletics help pay the bills at a university and, and in many ways they elevate or or de or de-elevate the prominence of a school. So I know that it's important and I know that it pays for facilities. You know, the money that they make in football pays for tennis and swimming, you know, other non-revenue sports. So I know that that's important. So I don't want to, I don't want to minimize their importance to a university, but I think we have to keep it in check. And I don't think that was a good example of keeping it in check. Yeah. Uh, and tip like the, the thing with like, usually it's in pro sports, but like usually these 10 year contract like that's that's the problem it's like one of the one of the critiques of this that i've heard a lot especially from like catholic catholic aggie circles she's like it's just so much money it's too much money for a football coach i'm like no it's not too much money for a football coach no, because the, he, he's making 0.1 of 0.1 percent of what the football team brings in like it, it's not the money like Everybody's like, oh, we're back in my day, they only made a million. I was like, yeah, that's because they made $10 million a year. Now they're making $10 million in concessions in an hour. Like, right. I, I, like right. the, so the, that part doesn't bother me. But the part that's, that's the problem is what is, is the primary issue that you brought up at the beginning is the paying for what you've done and not what you're going to do, right? Like, that's, right. that's a, it's always a thing, like mostly with pro athletes is where you hear about it, is we're not going to pay you what, what you did. Cause what you did was when you were from 27 to 33, now you're 33 and you want us to pay you till you're 43. It's like, it's not going to look the same. Like, unless your name's Tom Brady, like those years aren't going to look the same. Right. Um, right. so what, like almost usually it's baseball. Like there was just a big 
10-year, $700 million contract I signed this that. weekend. And like Shohei, I mean, he he is the best player in baseball and the best player we've seen in a long time. He's the best pitcher in the league and the best hitter in the league. It's unbelievable. Everybody's like, he's like Babe Ruth. I'm like, Babe Ruth was not this good, which is a crazy thing to say, but it is true. Like he's, he's unreal. But 10 years from now, is he going to be worth $70 million in that 10th year? Like next year, the year after that? He might be worth $70 million, right? But that was the problem with, with, with Jimbo. That's the problem with, like, Albert Pujols was the best hitter, we one of the best hitters we had ever seen. He signed a 10-year deal, and two years in, he was a shell of himself. Like, it's not the money, it's the length, and it's the not paying them for what they're going to do or having these incentives. Like, what, what the NBA does a lot is, like, they'll sign a five-year deal but the third year is has a player option, so the player can opt in or out to the contract. And then the fourth and fifth year, the team team has an option where they can cut it off or be done with it, right? It's so like everybody kind of, you know, there's still give and take in the negotiation, right? But there's like, there's ways out. Like if you suck or you get hurt or whatever, something happens, there's ways out. And I think that's the biggest, that was the biggest part of it. It's just like, bro, paying them that much to not work is wild. And it's, uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine being Mike Elko. Just like, hey, we'll hire you to be the coach, but uh, you'll always be the second highest paid person on the staff. I know, it's it's so funny. So demoralizing. You need to be having this discussion with my oldest, who is um, a sport management major. He was talking about NIL deals and all sorts of, you know, do should be paid players when he was in sixth grade. Yeah. You know, and now he's a graduate of college. But um it's almost He's like really employees the- should make money from the business. I mean, I mean <laughs> there's a crazy thing. Yeah. So it is deeply disturbing to me. And I do not like the trend that I'm seeing, not just at AM, but in collegiate athletics in general, about how we are rewarding our coaches and thus what that what that does to the bottom line at the university. So but I'm just a fan. I can't make I can't make changes like that, but I can at least voice my frustration. Well, uh, Texas A&M fans are mad, but there's only one ba- one college football fan base that's even more mad, and that is the Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah. people had opinions about this. I have opinions about this. I've, I've shared mine pretty openly, um, but I, I think I saw you sharing uh, some of yours as well. So I'm guessing you have thoughts about this, but let's just set it up for people that aren't uh, super uh, tied in. The, the number one and number two teams were undefeated. Great. The number three team had one loss. The number four team had one loss. The number five, only the top four get into the playoffs. The number five team had no losses. They were undefeated as well. Their quarterback got hurt. The number six team had one loss, and it was their first loss in 33 games or something like that. Just, I, it was crazy. It, it, it was so much fun for me. Like, I, I, again, I just loved watching it because, like, I don't have a dog in the fight. It was so, like, the chaos was just incredible. Um, so, but the, the big thing, and I think, uh, most, I think like Christian people or Catholic people that I saw were really mad that Florida state getting, didn't get it. So the story was they went, unless you're a Florida Gator fan and then you right, were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the, you know, they, they, they went undefeated, but their star quarterback got hurt like three games right. ago and they barely won against not very good teams the last three weeks. Like they're clearly a different team. Like, and so, and so this committee which typically would put in one of the, you know, an undefeated school from a good, from a good conference, which is what Florida state is. They typically would put them in for the first time. They did not put them in and everybody's like, it's not fair. And and I, I have a different opinion, but so, but I want to hear yours first. What did you think about the whole thing? 
Well, I am really glad that this is the last year of a four team college football playoff. That I, think next I agree year when with. we move. Yeah. When we move to 12, I think it's uh it's going to be more balanced and that you're just going to have you're going to have a, the ability to really flesh out who the best teams are. Um it's just kind of the 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 four that made it. I mean, Michigan if you know anything that has been happening in Michigan, that's a dumpster fire of a program right now. So they're in the they're in there. I love them is, so much. They're they're my is, team this year. Oh my, I, I love can't them. Stand I love them. Ugh, I can't stand <laughs> and then, and then, um, is Texas back with Sarkeesian? Who knows? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna find were, out. <laughs> they were in the they were in the Big Twelve conference, and I mean, who knows? I mean, I can understand both sides. It, it's just if you're undefeated and you're not allowed in the playoffs. Yes, I know that you're, I think they're on their third string quarterback. But how do you know? I mean, Taylor, like we'll use a rivalry game, for example, right? So you could have a top 10 team come in. Let's say it's Clemson and South Carolina, which it wouldn't have been. But anyway, let's just say for for argument's sake, it's Clemson and South Carolina. One's ranked, one's not. You get into a rivalry game. The unranked team could easily beat the ranked team because it's a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. Right. So in college football playoffs, I'm like, well, if they were undefeated, I felt like they should have been in the top four. And let's just see what happens. W- would they have gotten railroaded? M- maybe. I don't know. But you didn't put them in there. To, maybe they would have played amazing because they were in the college football playoff, but, but they had proven themselves all season. So to let to not let them in and let another team in that had a loss, I kind of had a problem with that. It was it, To me, it was very subjective. I was like, so to me, there needs to be better rules. What qualifies you to be in the college football playoff? Is it losses? Is it strength of schedule? And if it is strength of the schedule, how do you decide that? Um, if you lose a star player, like what's the point system on where you're ranked? Like to me, it seemed way too objective. And the whole point of the college football playoff series and that that program was to make it less subjective and more objective. And it seems to me that it was more subjective this season. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and I agree with you, but that that's part of what people don't understand. It's like, so uh, a lot of thoughts here. The NCAA built this own, built this own bit, their, their own bit. And now they have to lay in it. Like they're, this, they're, they're a mess of an organization. I think the whole yes, thing should are. be abolished and they're going to be two conferences. The SEC and the big 10 are, are going to, you know, run everything here in the next few years. Like they're going to go to a, you know, two conference system, pay the players and let the top eight teams from each side uh, compete in the playoffs. Oh, kind of like the pros. Oh, it's because they're professionals. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. Right. Like they're moving to make it look like the pros. Like that's, that's where it's going. Um, the, other, the second thing is like th- this has happened before. Like we literally did this. We the the committee let in a team that quote unquote deserved it because they were undefeated in a lesser conference, and they got beat by sixty in the first round, and nobody watched it. And that leads to my third one. People just need to accept this, and th- this is one of the big things that I've heard around here. Is everybody's like, oh, it's. It, they're kids. It's youth sports. I'm like, no, no, it's not youth sports. No, you have not. to get this through your head. This is not youth sports. It's not even the college sports. It with the things that connect in your head for college sports no longer exist. It left about a decade ago because what this is is a television show, and what it is is the second most popular television show in the world. Or in in the U.S., I guess soccer is bigger over 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 uh, overseas in different countries, right? 
The number one television show in the United States every single year is the NFL. Always, always, always. They, they, there was an NFL game uh, last Thursday with two unwatchable teams. We say two unwatchable teams. 16 million people watched them. The best basketball game of uh, uh, the, the in-season tournament championship. The biggest basketball game before, before uh, Christmas ever. And it got about a million people watching it. The biggest NBA game and the smallest NFL game, the NFL game was 16 times it. Like uh, the college football is right there. The, tw- the top 25 television shows last year, 24 were NFL games. One was a college football game. And if you looked at the next hundred, it's all college football. Like it, college football is clearly second, but there is no third. Like there's just not a third. Like it, it's, it's a TV show. So they want eyeballs to watch this. So we have all watched with our eyeballs Florida State play over the last three weeks, and it was bad. I watched them play a bad team and barely win, and it was ugly, right? So the committee had put in rules that are not objective, like you mentioned. They are subjective. They literally said in the reasoning, we watched them with our eyeballs. They look different. They're not in. We're putting in this other team, right? So if I'm Florida State, if I'm that coach, if I'm those athletes, I'm pissed and they have every right to be pissed, right? But as a fan, I'm I'm just not surprised. It's a television product. Uh the thing that I wish happened. Uh, oh, the other the other the other problem is they moved to this system. You were kind of getting to it. They moved to this system because to make it more subjective because it used to just be the top 2 teams and they were like but what did everybody do then? They complained about the third team. What is everybody doing now? Complaining about the fifth we'll com- team. We'll complain about the 13th we'll com- team next year. 100%. Everybody will always complain and it'll never be fair. And uh, this 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 uh, uh, football guy that I listened to, a uh, podcaster, one of the best college uh, uh, college and pro football podcasters in, in the world, he was like, you, you, you know who's going to... Was it gonna- Tom Bomb? Uh, no, it's uh, John Middlecoff. He's uh, one of okay. Colin Cowherd's people. Um, but he was like, you know who... like." You know what lesson they all just learned from this? That life isn't fair, and sometimes no matter what you do, uh, it's not going to go your way. He's like th- those young men on that on that on that team are. They're like they're. You know, he, he's like check back in ten years and see how many are Fortune five hundred companies. Just just check just check and see how many of them are. Do- they like they just learned the best lesson. But the thing that's missed in all of this, it's like nobody cares that Georgia isn't in it. Georgia hasn't lost in two and a half seasons. Oh, I know. They lose once and they don't get a chance to defend their back-to-back national championships. Like, none of it's fair. None of it's fair. None of it makes sense. It's all chaos. And I loved it. <laughs> Welcome to college football. 100%. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. I just, again, I just, I was just so tired of people taking something that isn't uh, moral and putting moral stuff on it. It's just like, just chill, bro. Relax. Relax. AM has enough money. They'll be fine. Uh, Florida State will. Uh, uh, my favorite part of this. Uh, th- so they're playing Georgia, who also didn't get in in their bowl game. Uh, what uh, What do you think the line is? Do you know anything about betting lines? Anything at all? Um, no, I don't. I'm so like when, when the Aggies when when the Aggies play, you tend you typically kind of know like, hey, we should win by seven. Hey, we should lose by right. about seven. Like you, you right. tend to know. Like so, typically people. Uh, Florida State, Vegas, I think, is being incredibly nice to them. I, all I'm saying is I'm going to make a lot of money betting on Georgia in this bowl game. They're saying that Georgia is going to beat Florida State by two touchdowns. It's going to be double that. Yeah, Georgia gonna be is going to stomp them. 
And then Florida State will finally chill out. <laughs> so that's that, that's my thoughts on fairness in college football and Jimbo Fisher's money. <laughs> it was fun. Thanks, Taylor. It was fun. It was a fun episode. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you. Uh, I hope everybody is enjoying their advent. We're, we're nearing the end of this thing. I hope that y'all have a Merry Christmas. This is the last episode you listen to before Christmas. We should have. No, this is it. We only have one more, and I think it's after Christmas. So I think this is our last one before Christmas. So y'all have a Merry Christmas, I guess. There you go. Um, hopefully you got as many presents as Catherine did on her daughter doorstep. <laughs> I'll be back next week. She'll be back in a month. See ya! Thank you guys for hanging out with us this week. We didn't realize it when we recorded it, but I was right towards the end of the show. That was our last episode before Christmas. Uh, we have been preparing for our Christmas episode, but it does come out two days after Christmas. So from me, from our team here at For the Catholic, um, from behind the scenes with Sarah to all of all, everybody on the show, uh, Catherine, Allison, Father Anthony, have a very Merry Christmas. And we are planning something pretty cool for our Christmas episode. So... Make sure that you come back, hang out with us next week by hitting subscribe on your podcast app or over on youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. And until next week, Merry Christmas. And we love you.